the ability to see spiritually, the ability to see spiritually. So you can call it what you want. I just felt like calling it eagle eye, uh, but you can call it what the ability to see things spiritually. So in Job 39, verse thank Job 39, verse 27 to 29, it says, "Does the eagle or the hawk take flight by your wisdom?" This is God asking Job. Does it spread his wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? He dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is strong. From there he seeks out his food. His eyes detect it from afar. There is this thing uh, about uh, seeing spiritually where you see things from a perch that is in God and therefore are able to figure out, fathom, uh, see things before they actually happen. And another word, uh, another phrase you can use for it is eyes of faith. Spiritual eyesight, eyes of faith, uh, where you have the ability to soar at a place where the Spirit of God wants you to and therefore see things spiritually. Because at the end of the day, everything is first formed in the Spirit realm. And so the more we are confined to seeing things, observing things with our natural senses, the less we are likely to see things ahead. And God is a God who wants to have his people see things ahead of time. At uh, George Bush Sr.'s funeral, they had this term that they would keep using again and again, C-A-V-U. There's actually a restaurant called C-A-V-U at Hilton in Richmond. Uh, C-A-V-U is a uh, term that fighter pilots use. It means ceiling and visibility unlimited. Ceiling and visibility unlimited. And so it is this... Uh, when we're talking about eyes of faith or spiritual insight, we're talking about God allowing us to both see upwards and see downwards so that ceiling and visibility is unlimited. So you begin to fathom or figure out what God wants to show you and what God is seeing. And it becomes much easier to live then. So eyes of faith are critical to living sometimes an unlimited life in God. Eyes of faith are critical to living an unlimited life in God. And what do you mean by unlimited life? Meaning at the beck and call of God who knows everything, sees everything, and has the ability to convey to you what he wants because you are beginning to tune your eyes to see things spiritually. I'm not talking about angels and demons and stuff like that. I'm just talking about seeing what God is thinking. Oh, they just love the phrase, seeing what God is thinking. That's what we're really doing when we talk about spiritual sight, seeing what God is thinking. So when you read Hebrews 11, 19 to 29, Hebrews 11, 19 to 29, you'll find that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses needed eyes of faith to see what God had already prepared. They needed eyes of faith. I mean, I'm sometimes fascinated by what Moses is suggesting to 600,000 people. Eh? He's saying to them that, listen, if you took a lamb and then you slay the lamb and then you take a bunch of uh, branches and dip it in the blood of the lamb and then you go and put it on your doorpost, he is promising the 600,000 people that he's supposed to take care of that nothing's going to happen to them that night. He's taking on the responsibility of an entire nation and saying to that fledgling nation of 600,000 people that listen, if you take the blood of this lamb 
and put it on your doorpost. And people had been using blood sacrifices during the ancient Near East times for years. So it was nothing new. But he has the audacity to go and say to them, you put this blood on your doorpost and tonight when the destroyer comes, he will pass over you and he will not destroy your home, your firstborns, he won't touch you. To have the ability to say that, you have to see it first, man. And you have to be sure that you saw it from God. Because otherwise, you will have the blood of the firstborns of Israel on your hand. Eyes of faith are able to see what God is preparing ahead of time. God always is looking either for a... In the past, he used to look for leaders who could do this. Now he wants people who can do that. Because he's always looking for a group of people, a people who can announce his intentions beforehand, a people who can have eyes of faith, not a leader or two. That is the Old Testament pattern. But a people who begin to live like this. Any questions before we go on? So if you take Abraham, take Isaac, take Jacob, take Joseph, take Moses, they needed eyes of faith to see what God had already prepared. I mean, I love what Joseph did. I mean, he had eyes of faith that encouraged a nation during 400 years of slavery. I know I've said this before, but he, look at what he says. He says, you will not let my bones be buried here. And so they take his bones and they put it in a tent. 400 years People watch that tent and they see Joseph's bones. They come back with their backs flayed open because they've been building pyramids for Pharaoh, been treated like slaves. Brutality is their daily wage. And then they walk past this tent and they look into that tent. And what lies in that tent? Dead bones, man. And yet those dead bones speak of a time that is coming when these people will move out of this land into a promised land of their own. This man set up something that encouraged slaves for 400 years, man. That's eyes of faith. When you and I have eyes of faith, we set up for the generation after us and the people that we are presently living amongst some kind of a monument or a life that shows them that there is yet hope. Because faith and hope are inseparable. This is why when a people begin to catch on, not just one or two. One or two people, they'll write a book and we'll buy them. What when a people begin to think? As in they begin to see the thoughts of God. Not for themselves. We're not talking about hearing God for ourselves. We're talking about hearing God for the earth. I mean, these stories that we're saying, why? Why should we go all the way to Dubai to meet one man because that one man may change the course of the largest Muslim nation in the world. This is how God works, eh? But we as a people can begin to function like that. Therefore, I'm not worried that we didn't pray for people and minister to people. Every trip is different, man. You don't have to pray for headaches and fevers those are great things minister to people jesus did that but there is something far greater at stake here than healing christians nothing wrong with that i i, I mean it's very valid i'd love to be healed of any ache i have immediately but i'm saying there's much more than that involved when a people begin to see his thought and he's waiting to do this day eh? faith shuts the eye of the mind 
and opens the eye of the spirit. Faith shuts the eye of the mind and opens the eye of the spirit. What the devil did in the garden is he opened the eyes of the mind, shut the eyes of faith. Never needed faith in the Garden of Eden. The only thing that existed in the Garden of Eden was obedience. Never needed faith. Because there was no contest with reason. And then the devil brings this idea of, but don't you want knowledge? And therein begins this contest between reason and faith. Reason, and as soon as reason comes, there is doubt. There's speculation. Now you need. And so... Faith shuts the eye of the mind, opens the eye of the spirit. So that's another phrase you can use for eyes of faith. It is the opening of my spirit to the things of God. And when the eyes of the spirit are open, you judge things not by the substance of what you see, but with eyes that God gives you to see things. So you, you, you're not basing your judgments on your five senses, but you're basing your judgment on what you sense in your spirit about things and then the crazy part is you got to obey because reason can be followed but when God speaks beyond what you can reason now to obey it is a whole different ballgame and spiritual dullness is sometimes a result of us defaulting to rationale and to our five senses spiritual dullness is sometimes a result of us defaulting to rationale and our five senses. It's our default mode. That's how we've been brought up. And so it becomes the reason why there is spiritual dullness. And as long as we are tentative about this idea of seeing the thoughts of God, of seeing with eyes of faith, of having an eagle eye, of sealing and visibility unlimited, of soaring and perching with God and beginning to look at what he wants to show, of expecting that like Joshua did every time Moses went up Mount Sinai, when we begin to lose that awe and wonder of, oh shucks God, how do you see this? Then we have to then rely only on reason and our five senses. And it almost always leads to spiritual dullness. Question. Question, any thoughts? Spiritual dullness is caused partly by the default uh, of uh, by my defaulting to reason and to our, my five senses uh, because if that is where I operate if there that is where I plan to operate if that's where I plan to stay then it's natural that spiritual dullness will set in it's like the edge of a knife not being used it gets blunt questions you thought add Guys, do we, do we see how necessary this is if you want to fathom the thoughts of God? That's the best way to ask this question. Do you realize how critical this is to fathom the thoughts of God? Because if I am not willing to sharpen my ability to see spiritually, how am I going to see things? Because everything starts in the spirit realm. Be it demonic or be it godly, it starts in the spirit realm. Everything has always started in the spirit realm. Man is under the illusion that he starts things here. He starts nothing. He responds to things. Isms are a response to something that was started somewhere else. How is hate formed? How is love formed? How is laughter formed? 
Take anything that you and I experience, and where did it originate? In one or the other realm. So what does it mean to then have eyes of faith and see accurately in the spiritual? One, it is based on the premise that God is spirit and that all things of God are conceived in the realm of the word and the spirit. If God is spirit and he is, then everything that he conceives is conceived in the realm of word and spirit. John 6.63 The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. Everything that originates from God originates in the realm of the word and the spirit. You are saved or you today are born again because even that originated according to first peter in the realm of the word and the spirit that you are now made not of perishable seed but of imperishable seed conceived just like christ or take for that matter christ's conception that originated in the spirit realm too everything first starts there and then manifests in the physical so the first thing we need to grasp if we want to have eyes of faith that see accurately in the spiritual is that it must be based on the premise that God is spirit and all things of God are conceived either in the word or in the spirit. Any questions on that? Any questions? Two, things in the word are eyes of faith Eyes of faith or spiritual sight, let's just call it spiritual sight. Spiritual sight sees things of God in the Word. Sees things of God in the Word. Spiritual sight sees things of God in the Word. The Spirit of God begins to show us because the Spirit of God is the author, because the Spirit of God is the author of the Word. He begins to show us things of God in the Word. He's been doing this for ages, eh? Ages. He shows Peter that there's a scripture in Joel which says that um, my spirit will fall upon all flesh. And when does Peter see this? At some point he recalls it as he's standing in Acts chapter 2 and explaining the falling of fire. The same Peter is also standing now in Cornelius's house and he's reminded of another scripture which says that the Gentiles shall be blessed through Israel. Where the Spirit of God shows things from the word saying, hey, it has been in the word for years. Do you want to see it now? You think Dano came up with the idea of, oh, we will now go after Maple Ridge as a city. No, it's been in the word for hundreds of years. You think we came up with the idea that um, um, breaking of bread is fundamental to building household? No, it's been there in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 48 for ages. There's nothing new upon the earth, man. Everything is either hidden in God or hidden in the word. And the spirit of God is here to reveal it either through the word or directly to us and verify it through the word. This is the beauty of what we are discovering. We got 66 books to plumb for the rest of our lives and dig out ancient truths, man. 
set up a pillar of stones on the other side of the Jordan for a generation that is yet to come. And they'll ask, what is this about? And we'll tell them, at such and such a point in 2019, we found out through the word that God said. And now they'll take it and run. Cool, huh? Thank you. Two, we see things that the Spirit is doing. We see things that the Spirit is doing. The first thing, we see things in the Word. Second, we see things in the, that the Spirit is doing. We see things the Spirit is doing. We see things the Spirit is doing. How do you see things the Spirit is doing? You see things the Spirit is doing by beginning, by beginning to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. By beginning to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus put it this way. In John chapter 16, verse 13 to 15, he says, Hey guys, I'm going away, but I'm sending you the Spirit and listen to what he'll do for you. He says in uh, verse 13 to 15, he says, uh, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. So he guides you, guides me, guides us into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Guys, look at what he's saying. He's saying, I'm sending you a Spirit who will actually do this, guys. He'll come and tell you the truth. He'll take from what is mine. He'll reveal it to you. He'll bring it to you. And how in the world am I going to get into this unless I begin to cultivate a relationship with the very Spirit who dwelt in Jesus Christ? This is a guarantee. This is Christ saying this is what he will do. Well then, Jacob, get up and begin to relate to, cultivate a relationship with, talk with, try to listen to the Spirit of God. Yep. Um, we are all at different stages. So when I make a, a statement like that, for those of us who are doing well, press in more. For those of us who haven't started, let's start. Cultivate is a word that will apply to everybody, right? Because none of us are yet where Christ is. And so the whole intent of becoming friends with the Spirit of God, who alone reveals Christ, who brings us the truth, who takes from what is God's, who releases it upon the earth at the right time, cultivate a relationship with the Spirit of God, who is alive, who is vibrant, who is present right now, who must be shaking his head with glee as we talk about him. Because he yearns over us. James actually says that the Spirit of God yearns over us. Jealously. Jealously. Yearns over us. Someone who yearns over you wants to give to you everything that he has. Thirdly. See things uh, that exist in God who is spirit. This is a very odd one. Eh? See things that already exist in God. See things that exist in God. I, it's very odd. There's this really amazing scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10. It says, Abraham, even though he was given a promised land, saw a city that was constructed without hand and he set his eyes on that city instead of a city here on earth the man actually saw something God 
and he realized that, yep, I've been given a promise that I will inherit a brand new land. But this brand new land that I'm inheriting ain't nothing compared to that city that has been built without hands. There are things that God is willing to show us about people, about nations, about the city of Maple Ridge that we have never seen. That is, you won't find in the Bible. But God will begin to show us what his original plan was, his original intent was. Part of the prophetic is to bring people to recognize God's original intent. And once you see God's original intent, your heart will thrill. Guys, if you have a child and God actually showed you the days that he had planned for that child, you as parents would do everything in your power to make those days possible. Because there is an original intent that God has a finished picture of your baby. I mean, she's pregnant. She's got a baby in her womb. There is a finished picture of this baby that God has that if we could discover, it'd blow our mind. Where we see things that exist in God. Why? Because everything is contained in him. Isaiah in the message puts it this way. You are the beginning and the end and everything in between. I love that. You are the beginning and the end and everything in between. One of your heart's cries should be, Father, could you begin to show me your original intent for me? Could you begin to show me your original intent for Shiloh? Could you begin to show me the original intent for Acts 29? Could you show me the beginning and the end of Maple Ridge, of Vancouver, of Canada, of Beijing, of Dubai? And then as it begins to form and God will not release it all at one time, not because he's hesitant to, but because it would crush you. But as it begins to unfold, you begin to take it and you nurse it. Because this must become so precious to you that you will lay down your life for it as you would for your child. This is what we're talking about. Things that exist in God. Because everything, everything, and I say that joyfully, everything exists in Him. How broad and wide and high and... Uh, exists in Him in what sense? Exists in His love. Because everything created, He created because He loves. Everything exists because He loves. It's crazy, man. See things in other realms. 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 This happens in every meeting, in every part of the world. See things in other realms. See things in other realms. How do you see things in other realms? You can only see things in other realms if you're seated higher. You can only see things in other realms if you're seated higher. As in, what you see from the 10th floor ain't the same as what you see from the 24th floor. The higher you're seated, the more you can see. And so the whole intent is, Father, since your son said in Ephesians 2, 6, that he's seated above principalities and powers, and because it says that you have seated us with him, what in the world does that mean, O oh God? How do I... Observe things from a perch where I can see what is happening in other realms. And what do I mean by other realms? Being ahead of the devices of the devil. Being able to figure out 
the demonic realm before they even perpetrate something. And you can do that when you begin to... Uh, what am I, uh, Revelations 4.1 puts it this way. Come up higher. It says, and then I saw heaven open. And I heard a voice saying, come up higher. Because God wanted to show John things that were yet to happen. And this whole idea of come up higher. We talked about this at the beginning of the year. We said that one of the phrases that God is speaking over this church for this present year is access granted. Access is granted, come up higher. Access granted means we have the intimacy of God. But as I always say, the intimacy that we have with God is what intimidates the enemy. Intimacy with God is proven through purity and our intimacy with God intimidates the enemy and the reason it does is now you see things before they happen. You see things before they happen. How, where do we start with this? We begin to practice this in our own personal lives. And then we begin to practice it in our family. Then we begin to practice it in our little house churches. Then we begin to practice it as a people. Then we begin to practice it as a community in the city. Then we practice it as a city in the nation. Step by step by step. What if it takes 30 years? Great! After 30 years, if there are 70 people who can do this, gosh, that'll be tremendous, man. Hey, 30 years, I'm already in my 25th year in Canada. Another five years will be 30 years. I'm not getting any older either. Really? Yeah. I'll do the rest of this next week. Just go through two or three points and then. Because after that, maybe next week we'll talk about where does God hide things? Where does God hide? It's a very cool thing. He very hides things. And Psalm 119 verse 18 actually says, Open our eyes so that we may see your miracle wonder. Open our eyes so that we may see your miracle wonder. And what it means is, God does think, where does he hide? Because he wants us to find out, eh? Because it says in uh, Proverbs 25 too, that it is the privilege of a king to conceal a matter. It is the privilege of God to conceal a matter. But it is the privilege of kings to discover. And so, uh, God loves concealing things. And the only reason he likes concealing things is because he is a father who wants to see if you're really interested in pursuing and finding out. My dad used to do this with me during Christmas with me and my sister. Uh, we'd get Christmas gifts, but they were always hidden. There'd be seven clues, seven separate clues. One, for my sister, one set for my sister, one set for me. And we'd have to go hunting for the Christmas gift. And through these seven clues, I mean, I don't know what I'd look forward to more, the clues or the Christmas gift. Because fathers like concealing things. Children are supposed to find it out. This marvelous hide and seek that he plays. We'll talk about that and then we'll also talk about um, what do we have to work on so that we now begin to see things easily. There are six, seven steps that we can look at. We'll look at that next. Uh, so, two more things in terms of spiritual sight. Spiritual sight sees things. Spiritual sight sees things that are 
in Kairos. Sounds like a very odd sentence. What it means is, guys, um, uh, God likes um, releasing things here on earth at appointed times. In Titus 3.15, it says that God always had the intent of sending Christ, but at the appointed time, he sends Christ. And so there is this intent of God, uh, be it in Vancouver, be it in Maple Ridge, be it in Dubai, be it in West Java, that the time has come. Now is the Kairos moment. And all we mean by Kairos is Kronos is red lights, uh, deadlines, alarm clocks. Um, we got to finish by 345 and stuff like that. Kairos is fluid movement in time where God at perfect times in history releases what he wants from heaven. That's why it always says in the fullness of time. And then it'll say Moses was born. Christ was born in the fullness of time. And the conditions will all be wrong. There was Pharaoh when Moses was born. There was Herod when Christ was born. The denser the darkness, the more likelihood of God releasing things from heaven. So lamenting about the dense darkness here ain't a good idea because this is when light is released from heaven. And no longer will it be Christ because he said, I am the light, but then later on he says, you are the light. So it ain't going to come with him coming here. It's going to come through us. And so look forward to these dark times because this is when light shines. And in the fullness of time, God releases things. So how do we usher the fullness of time? I mean, how do we say to God, oh God, we are ready. But by in the fullness of time, guys, ancient doors are open. Just follow this. Um, it, isn't all, it isn't too complicated, actually. So let's take Acts 2 again. Pentecost had been celebrated right from Mount Sinai. They used to have the festival of Shavuot. Pentecost was celebrated right from Mount Sinai. Then, and it was first celebrated when the law was given. Years went by, years went by, years went by. 1500 years later, it's now 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. And it's Pentecost. But at this time, there's a fullness of time that has been achieved. And for the first time, the Holy Spirit is released on man, woman, men, women, children for the first time in the history of earth. The fullness of time, God releases the Holy Spirit upon Gentiles, upon Jews, upon barbarians, Scythians, priests. And this was an ancient door. And what we mean by an ancient door, it's not very mysterious. Ancient door is a door that God had promised in the ancient past. Thing. one day will come he said to Joel a day is coming when I will pour out a day is coming when I'll pour out all ancient doors means is this was something that God had predicted long ago and then in the fullness of time the ancient door opens and suddenly the earth is filled with the person with the awesome person and the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit and the earth has never been the same but that wasn't the end of it through different eras God has kept restoring things that he promised at the beginning of time why? Because God's intent is very simple. What was lost in the garden will be regained. We started with a garden, we'll end with a city. That city will be the bride of Christ called Jerusalem. It ain't Jerusalem in Israel. It's Jerusalem called a people, man. 
His intent has been the same. And so since the fall, he's been up to just one thing. I will restore. I will restore. At the right time, I'll begin to restore things, restore things, restore things, restore things. Never heard of this thing called church. Jesus spoke of it once. And then along comes Paul. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, to me has been given the responsibility of stewarding the mystery. And the mystery is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And boom. The church is born. And he was the one who taught us what church was about. And where did it come from? From what God sent through him. Ancient doors being opened. Is God still looking for it? Absolutely. What if, what if, what if this is an ancient door that will open West Java? When the midst of the largest Muslim nation in the world Idly piddly people like Joshua, Derek, and Isaac will go do stuff. Sorry. So, ancient doors are open. One of the best ways to open ancient doors, who does God trust to open ancient doors? Very simple. Ones who have pure heart, clean hand, tongues that don't deceive, and who walk in right. Who shall ascend the hill of God? Psalm 24, Psalm 15. That's all we have to, that's the only qualification here for this. Last point before we finish. Um, spiritual sight allows you to see uh, beyond flesh. Spiritual sight allows you to see beyond flesh. Meaning you don't go by observable data. You don't go by what you see, you see behind. Romans 4.19 Abraham looks at his body and says, this won't work. Then he looks at his a wife's body and says, that definitely won't work. That is observable data. And then there is spiritual sight which says, oh shucks, there is something beyond this and that is God. At 99, he actually begins to start praising God because he's absolutely convinced he's going to have a baby. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 or 18 puts it this way, that we no longer judge things after the flesh. We no longer judge things after the flesh. Observable data is great, but it ain't what we go by. It's just something that is in the background. We, we ask God, Father, you know this person's heart. Show. What do you do with two people who steal an apple from, a, uh, from Frutikana? What do you do with them? Did both steal for the right reason? Who stole because they were hungry? Who stole because they had no money and have a child that needs to be fed? Who stole because they have a disease called kleptomania? Who stole because they just like stealing and depriving others? How do you judge these things? Christianity is not built on policy. Spiritual sight allows us to judge correctly. Eh? Our God is a just God. Christians must be just. To react to situations from our gut stinks. We must judge correctly. He's a just fair God. He's just and fair because he sees and we must embrace his spirituals. Everything is conceived in the spirit realm. My thing when I get a prayer request is, Father, so what do you see? What do you see? And to the best, and the more you ask that and the more you cultivate it, over a period of time, the more you get it right. It also allows me then to discern when I'm walking in the flesh, when I'm walking in the spirit, when I'm just walking as Jacob, when I'm walking under the influence of a strong spirit, 
And if I can judge that about myself, then be sure that I'm judging it about you. As you should be me. We got a smart God, man. Pavan, you ready? It's not physical eyes that God opens. It's not just physical eyes that God opens. He wants to give me spiritual life. Second Kings 6.20. First he shuts the... I mean, Second Kings has such cool stories. Eh? He blinds an entire Syrian army and he opens their eyes. Those are physical eyes being opened. And then there is Elijah's servant. His eyes are wide open, but he ain't seeing nothing. And then he opens Elisha's servant's eye, and he sees the chariots that are surrounding the city. And then he goes, and Elisha blinds the eyes of the Syrian army, and then opens them again after taking them into a city. God is so keen to open our spiritual eyes, so much so that in the apostolic prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 1, he says, oh God, enlighten their spiritual eyes that they might see the length and the breadth, the uh, depth and the height of your love. Guys, at the end of the day, we are not having our spiritual eyes open so that we see angels because they ain't God. And they're not, they're created beings who will one day serve us. We ain't in this to get thrills seeing the demonic realm because there are no thrills there. They frighten you. They can distort your perception. We're not having our spiritual lives open, open so that we have deep knowledge. When Christians begin to hunger after deep knowledge, it is the same as sorcery. Because sorcery gives you knowledge of things that are hidden. We have our eyes open for one reason only. That we can see all the things that exist in God as He chooses to show it. And all the things that exist in God exist in His love. And therefore anything that we see is meant to benefit others. Out of your love, Father, how do you see this? Because in your love, you will show me why this happened, how you're going to fix it, how you long to make this right, and what I should do in the process. That is what we see. And that is so beautiful. It's like... It's like you have the knowledge of what is going to happen as you watch your child break something. Let me end with this. Eric. Eric as in Eric. As in Eric. <laughs> uh, Eric watched his son, Luke, build a fort using chairs and sheep. Stuff. And Eric kept saying to him, uh, Luke, uh, why don't you build it this way? And uh, uh, Luke said, no, dad, uh, I know how to build and he said, but look, if you do it this way, this no, dad, just leave it alone. I want to build it myself. Uh, and he wanted to build a fortress and live in it. And so he's building this whole thing and Eric saying, but, but look, no, dad, just leave me alone. And finally, Luke, uh, Eric decided to leave. And then waited as Luke completed the fortress, went into the fortress, stretched out his leg, and the fortress collapsed, collapsed on and now that the fortress had collapsed, Eric made his way into the collapsed fortress, knowing exactly what must be. And with the shift of a few chairs, a few boxes, a tug of a sheet here, 
and a tightening of a string there. He had the photo again. Sat under those sheets, playing with his son inside that week. This is what the love of God is like. And everything exists in that love. And all God wants to do is show us for the sake of loops. And listen, you're building something, but this is how it can be built. Oh, you don't want to hear? Well, then I will still see things on your behalf because when the fortress collapses, I'll be there. Oh, and it has collapsed? Well then, God said, let me enter into your fortress. And now that we are building it together from inside, put it again. Everything exists in his love. Spiritual sight is key to reconstructing and restoring the world. That is why I'm talking about it now that I think about it. Spiritual sight is key to restoring and reconstructing fortresses for people or restoring desolate heritage. And if we don't have that, then all we have is business models and our own thoughts based on observable. We'll uh, do the rest later. Pavan, you want to come up? Pavan wants to share his testimony. Uh, the kids should not come back yet. Um, this is going to take about 10 or 12. Um, looking forward to hearing it. Go ahead. <laughs> 